nice okay welcome everybody thank you for joining we have the great Saul Luckman on with us today welcome Saul thank you so much for joining hey thanks for having me Donnie yeah I'm super excited for the conversation tonight so guys if you don't know Saul should need no introduction but he is an award-winning author he is a painter and a psychonaut. Uh, he's written several books, including Snooze, A Story of Awakening and Coming of Age. I recommend you guys get it immediately. Saul pioneered a method of healing called uh, Regenetics, which is uh, encapsulated in his book, Potentiate Your DNA. Um, it's a revolutionary healing science that helps you essentially reboot your etheric body and more. He's also written the Kali, Kali Yuga, The Destroyer, an amazing book, and his latest book, The World Cult and You, Your Place in It and Your Way Out, which we'll be discussing tonight. Very excited for that. And so The World Cult and You theorized the existence that a world cult is divided into endless subcults, ultimately controlled by a spiritual adversary designed to control humanity. Well, I agree 100%. Uh, Saul postulates that parasitic controllers are con commandeering the human mind through all media to bring about our current looming dystopian realities. I love Saul for a bunch of reasons. I'm super happy to have him on today. Uh, one, he's been on a journey of discovery like we all have, and he promotes radical skepticism, especially in the truther community. Uh, he isn't static. He throws out things that don't work for him. Uh, all the time and we'll get into that in the stream super deep thinker super nice guy and he exposes the divine comedy boldly going on uh, and he is the best delushing activist I've ever met in my life so we're going to get into that as well I love how much he triggers truthers him and I are much on the same page and him and I have come to a lot of similar conclusions in very different ways so without further ado Saul Luckman. <laughs> hey, thanks. That was uh, that was very generous. I who is this guy? <laughs> I sounded, you know, so much bigger than myself. <laughs> ah, you're just being humble. Man. I appreciate that. I really, really do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know about your work until you reached out to me, and then I, I checked out what you were doing, and um, I realized we were on a very compatible wavelength relative to all of the the mind control and world cult going on. And, uh, and then I just, you know, I realized you were very bright just with your communications and stuff. So I've been looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Yeah. Did anything stand out to you in terms of 
compatibilities or I'd just be curious because I, I feel the same way about all of your work. <laughs> yeah, well, I have, a, I mean, I may not have as much to go on um, as you, but I could just tell from just your, your comments when you were commenting, for example, on the excerpt that I put out of The World Cult and You, the video, audio, video book, you know, and just your, your, just your observations were really in alignment with where I'm going with this. I mean, I'm sure you have many of your own thoughts and we don't have to agree on everything, but it was clear that uh, we've traveled different paths and arrived at an awareness that that um, you know even our truth tellers are telling lies. Basically, they don't even necessarily know that, um, and it's a big problem because it takes people's energy away from things they could and should perhaps be doing with their lives, like growing up spiritually and building their power and moving moving things forward as opposed to going backwards and being essentially uh, fed upon by mm -hmm. some kind of, uh, uh, I, I would call it predatory, but I would have to kind of put that in quotes. And there's a much greater story here in terms of how I understand what is happening. It's not all bad. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, and I actually honor the predatorial aspect of this so-called reality because it is our teacher. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, no, that's great. Oh, somebody's saying sound in the chat here. Just want to make sure we're live. Um, one second here, Saul. Still real amateur. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not a techie, so so anyone's better than me at this kind of thing. Oh, we got sound good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank thanks for that, Saul. So. That's something that's really paramount to my work is um, not going down the doomer truther trap. You know, I think we've all been there, right? We we wake up to one scam or another. You know, everybody's awakening journey was um, <clears throat> different, but we get caught in these endless uh, troop traps or loops. And I called it the doom loop, the truth or doom loop, in which, you know, we can't really escape. We're just hyper-focusing on the negative. And, you know, one year, two years, three years go by, and all these communities, nothing's really changing for the better. You know, n nobody's really improving their lives, and you're just worse off than when you began. And so, you know, when you speak about louche and the lucianing, you know, I really resonate with that. Um, maybe we could start there. Can you for the audience, just talk a little bit more about what Lushing is, what do you think causes it, and maybe we'll kick off from there. Yeah, sure. I know that um, not everyone is familiar with the term. It doesn't It doesn't really matter. It's It really, for me, um, I, I actually define it in Cali the Destroyer. That, that novel title was Cali the Destroyer, and it's a book about the Archons. Uh, so, you know, I was really I was really looking into how we were being parasitized mentally. I was basing the some of the structure of the novel on John Lamb Lash's Fallen Goddess scenario and, and his his notion of archons as mental parasites and that kind of thing. And I'm not I'm not 100 percent on that wavelength that I'm less so than I used to be uh, in many ways. But I define Lush as a hyperdimensional energy that is released by the, the human soul when it's traumatized. Mm. 
So, uh, and it can be fed on and it can be used to power up other beings and other creations. But I didn't say in that book is that really, I feel like Lush is just a form of consciousness that can be released from us. And if you want to substitute power or chi or prana or orgone or mojo or mind or whatever for consciousness, that's fine. It's, to me, it's essentially all the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what is happening is our consciousness is being drained. We are becoming less self-aware, less empowered, and our vital it's also it's also exactly synonymous with kundalini. Thus, mm-hmm. as our minds are being wiped and our consciousness is being drained by all of these shenanigans, our personal power, our, our vital life force is being drained from us till that we to the point that we can only function at a kind of baseline level, and we're always amazed when somebody who's a little bit older, like myself, does the things that I do being a little bit older, like physically and athletically. They're like, oh my God, you're so old. How do you do that? And I'm like, I don't believe the same shit you believe about aging. And I've been working on reassembling and regathering my personal power for a very long time, and I'm still working on it. Yeah, yeah. It, I totally agree. As you know, for me, I, I had a very challenging upbringing, and, and I think that's part partially what led me down the, quote, awakening path very early. But at the same time, as I'm getting older, I realize that the trauma that we hold individually in our lives very much is a block for us reaching our full potential. And so am I correct in saying that that's what you're stating? And also you're speaking both on an individual and collective level, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it works individually and collectively. I mean, we could go into kind of how that works. I mean, in a nutshell, everyone is being loosed to one degree or another by the mind manipulation that's going on. We're talking about mental parasites Mm -hmm. that have not only infiltrated our media and our structures, our official discourse, but are in people's heads Literally, they are they are dealing with mental etheric parasites of one kind or another that are controlling their minds and their thoughts, their allowed thoughts, and thus their allowed behaviors. Mm-hmm. It is very complex. So it happens individually, but then individuals come together in groups, and I call these groups who come together to be loosed together cults. Mm-hmm. And it can be a relationship, a cult of two. It can be a family. It could be a small business venture. It could be a team. It could be, it could be a fan base, and all the way up the line until we're talking about countries yep. and continents yep. and the whole shebang. Until finally, you reach the the world cult, which is the encompassing entity of all of these cults, and it is lorded over by spiritual adversary that I call the great parasite. Others have talked about an artificial intelligence. I don't think there's anything artificial about it. I think it's absolutely natural. It's part of our dream world. We've actually dreamed it into existence, and it's really up to us to dream it out of existence or, at the very least, change our relationship to it in this existence. Mm. So that was one. I answered one question, but you had another one. Trauma. The other one was trauma, right? So I think that trauma is is a double-edged thing or a two-way street. 
trauma is a blockage, but it is also an invitation to transcend and go beyond. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I was I was very ill in my twenties. I I you know I got uh, in trouble with some things that you know certain people stuck in my body, and it just didn't work out well for me. And I got really really sick from it. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was years ago. We're talking like the 90s here. So all of this stuff that's happened in the last few years, that's old hat for me, man. I have been there and I've done there and I've done that and I've gotten myself out of it. But I also would tell people that all of these triggers and traumas that are being thrown at us are also invitations to Aikido them, to deflect them, to use that energy for ourselves. And it, it's actually possible to do what I'm saying. It is the it is it is the essence of martial arts. Uh-huh. So I'm not I'm not just speaking philosophically about use that negative energy for your own growth. I mean actually take the energy and turn away with it and then stoke yourself with it. I totally agree. Yeah. Um it's I, I mean I I believe we're here for a reason and i believe the trials and tribulations that come before us we're meant to go through them right and you know we have several ways of awakening one is um consciously to choose it in advance and the other is through struggle right and i believe that in my own journey it's been a mix of two it's been a mix of curiosity and pushing the boundaries um you know consciousness and all of that but also having pain and having trauma and and really digging into why that's the case and uh, transcending. And th- that's what I love the message of your book is you very much have a message of hope. Uh, you very much promote that it's your duty, if you will, to transcend. Uh, yeah, can, maybe you can speak to that in a bit more depth. Yeah, it's your duty to yourself you know, to transcend. It's not really your duty to anyone else. I mean, although I think it would, it will help people. <laughs> if you can move to the next level, you will be like um, an energy uh, supplier to people around you. And you can do it in such a way that you're not actually being loose. There's a way to give away energy uh, and power in a sense that is like a gift, but it doesn't detract from you. This is a very uh, a very high level kind of shamanic yogic type of thing I'm talking about, but it's definitely within our capabilities. Also, I would say, you know, the unpacking of the full human potential is kind of what we're talking about here. You know, I, in my novel Snooze, I wrote about the cities, the S S I D D H I S, the the uh, powers that that people actually possess, like the ability to levitate and grow small and you know, do all kinds of fascinating, uh, you know, quote unquote, paranormal things. But it really, it's the, it's the, it's the cultivation of power, however you do it, that is the gateway to all such things. Mm-hmm. And it's also the gateway to exiting the world cult, yes. to getting out of the matrix, because it's, I think the game board here, I, I use the, the word game board in the world cult and you, I think the game board here is like a classroom. And I know some people hate that. Sorry. You know, I'm not going to apologize for, for, for seeing the obvious. It's so obviously a kind of test. Um, if you can't see it, that's your problem. But the game board is basically designed to teach us that we're powerful because we, we come in having mostly forgotten that. That's the, that's the memory wipe. 
you know, that's, you know, John Keats talked about this is a veil of soul making where we forget who we were. You know, Wordsworth talks about trailing clouds of glory. Do we come? And then we forget that we had these clouds of glory. So we, we are incredible creative beings. Like it's almost like Thor, you know, in the movie, just plummeting to the earth, you know, but, but when he hits the ground, he's completely, you know, if, if that's us, we've forgotten that we were a god, you know, and so we have to learn how to remember that, and then we have to learn how to re-embody that. It's not an easy task, and it's especially not easy in the world cult because it's designed to keep people from looking outside instead of inside. Yeah. So just look at anybody these days, practically not anybody, but so many people are like that. Like, truthers are a classic example of this. I mean, of course, mainstream is like this. The mainstream media and government and see your doctor and do all of these things. It's, of course, all of that. We would expect that kind of rhetoric coming from those people. But I used to think that truthers were smarter than they are. They're, they're not real smart because they haven't figured out that they're playing into a game that's rigged against them in the way they're playing it. The only way to win is not to play. And the only way not to play is to go from the outside to the inside, do the inner work, yep. take the inner journey, the shadow work, learn to dream. Whatever's going on in the, in the outside world, simply doesn't matter. I'm not saying there aren't bad things happening. I get it. I'm not dumb. I'm, this isn't my first rodeo. But I'm saying you really don't have control over that. When people get into serious activism, whether it's saving the earth, which is just a ridiculous concept, or, uh, or any other kind of very serious uh, externally focused activism, all they're really doing is engaging in massive amounts of hubris and pride and arrogance. <laughs> so I love it. You got balls, buddy. And you, you, you touched on several things, which I do agree with, and a few that for the first time I, I do have a difference of opinion. Uh, so, so I want to get into well, that. Me, but, yeah. okay. but first, I just want to kind of set the stage here. Okay, so I want to understand how you view reality. Like, who are you? Where are you? And where are all of we? <laughs> you know, these light questions, right? Um, In 15 seconds or less. No, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'll put my money where my mouth is. When I published my first book uh, back in 2005, Conscious Healing, I had numerous sections on unity consciousness this idea that we are all one and i hear people saying it all the time giving it lip service but they never actually follow it's so rare that they've actually followed through to to take that where it logically leads if we're all one it means there's one consciousness here there is one of us here mm -hmm. and thus we are having an illusory experience of separation that's the nature of the classroom mm -hmm. that we are also we are also our adversary we are the great parasite we are the great parasites minions we are each other in snooze for example there's an amazing um, I, it's amazing because a lot of people told me it's amazing I, I thought it was kind of cool when i came up with it but the way that people greet each other in the world that my protagonist max travels to in his dreams they say i see myself in you mm. that is the highest form of greeting and i just want you to think about that for a minute if everyone thought that way 
what a wildly different world we would be living in. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's something that's very actionable, you know? Um, okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you believe, um, so, so my conclusion about reality has essentially been that consciousness is fundamental to our experience, uh, that we are living in some type of collective dream and that it's clear that the controllers quote unquote to me, um, they don't have infinite power. In, in fact, they almost never interact with us physically or tangibly, or you almost never see them in, up in your face. But what they are, I see them as sorcerers almost. They're, they're able to guide and focus our minds due to our consent, right? For us to then bring forth um, dystopia and, you know, the realities that we don't see. Uh, we don't want, but we find ourselves in, which is the quote modern world, if you will. And so, and that's where I think when I talk about the truther trap, I think that the truther movement is by design in that if you can convince the people who don't mindlessly go along with the main cult, Hey, you know, this is what they're planning and they're super evil. We will then collectively bring that into existence. Now, would you agree with that perspective in terms of what you had just stated with your worldview? Like, would you say we're fairly aligned, give or take, or? You literally could have written one of the chapters of the world cult in you, which is on this exact subject. We oh, are, awesome. we are 100% in alignment with this idea that truthers are actually being commandeered because they, they're kind of the somewhat uh, more, uh, more far-reaching thinkers, people who are straining the box a little bit in certain ways, and they are given to believe that if they just keep pushing, they will get to where they're trying to go. And of course, that's the duality cult right there. That's mm -hmm. the you know, there's so many problems with just that whole mentality. Um, they'll get to the truth. They'll get to a solution. They'll solve the problem. Things will get better. None of these things ever happen, of course. Um, but they've been commandeered because there's a segment of the population that is wanting to exit the matrix. Most of the population doesn't know there's a matrix. I mean, the movie might never, never well has been made, have been made. You know, it's really funny. It's like, oh, that was just sci-fi or, you know, a fantasy or something like that. So most people don't realize there's a, ma there's a matrix. There are some people who realize there's a matrix but who don't want out of it. You know, just think of, you know, people with lots of success and power and that kind of thing. And then you have a whole segment of people who have been flowing into the truther movement because it seems like they are aligning with other people who kind of want to get out of the matrix, maybe yeah. figure it out and get out of the matrix. And they don't realize that they're just being subsumed into the world cult in another in another way and utilize their loose, their consciousness, their focus, their perception is being utilized by the quote-unquote controllers to bring about dystopian scenarios yes. because we don't create any any other way. You said that our controllers are, are spellcasters or, or sorcerers, but we all are. Yep. Most people just don't know they are, and they're constantly 
sorcering, sorcerering. <laughs> they're 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 uh, using a kind of ma- magic or spell casting to create the realities they find themselves in every day. They just don't realize that's what's going on. And so the truthers have gotten somewhat conscious of some of these dynamics, but not the full picture that they're actually because they think they're above being loosed. And I can tell you that's not the case. You anytime you think you're above being loosed. In it, that it cannot happen to you, you're being loosed, okay? And so you have to be super vigilant at all times and very humble. I mean, I know I sound kind of not humble at times, but I'm I'm just being real. And I'm also saying I am not walking around thinking I'm impervious to the things that I research. I, I shared a meme one, uh, in the book about uh, – it was sort of a riff off of a Nietzsche quote, and it was uh, to the effect that uh, truthers who stare too long into the darkness become the monsters they observe. Of course, this absolutely enraged a lot of people. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. I got called all kinds of names, blah, blah, blah. But essentially, uh, that's part of what's going on, and the realities that are being created, the kind of dystopian doomsday scenarios that are being pushed forward – are being galvanized and energized by truth or consciousness in large measure. And so, so, and that ping pongs off of kind of reciprocation in the larger world media, the mainstream media. So that the two form almost like a, a, a duality or a, like a, like a circuit where they are, it would be, they would be hard to exist without each other. It would be hard for them to exist without each other. At the very least, it, the movement towards dystopia wouldn't be nearly as powerful. But once you've got the mainstream in place and then the truther movement in place as it's kind of, um, what's that? Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's, an, it's sort of its antithesis, but it's, uh, it's, there's a phrase, I think maybe Noam Chomsky utilized it. Um, anyway, it's, it's that secondary term in the in the sort of the he, almost like a Hegelian dialectic that moves moves it forward to yeah. the resolution. Yeah. yeah. So thesis, that's what we're witnessing. Thesis, antithesis, uh, synthesis. Yes, that, that, that's yes, yeah. yeah, and synthesis. And yeah. there's another one, another phrase. Yeah, that, what is it? I called? can't remember now. Yeah, I know what you're Just saying. It's me. like the diametric. No, not die. Anyways, yeah. So I love everything you said there. Uh, I'm trying to find things that I disagree with with you to make it spicy instead of us both just saying, okay, we agree on everything. But when you had said, um, you know, a lot of people want out of the Matrix, uh, first shout out in the chat to Luddite Strength. He says he wants to get out of the Matrix, and we're going to do it together, buddy. Right now, you got the guy. Saulock Luddite Mano. Unite. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, Saul, Saul I, I, I is a bit of a Luddite. Luddite Unite. Right? You are a bit of a Luddite. Yeah, I don't have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. So That makes me a Luddite. <laughs> I love it. But so during COVID, um, and, and just to be clear, we're on Rumble. Like, you can say whatever you want. You know, jabs, vaccines, you know. So no worries on my, my account there. Um, I don't like censorship at all. Um, but what I realized, so it was so hard for me. You and I had a very similar path in terms of how we became, you know, the anti. And then now we've kind of come to the conclusions that that creates a polarity, which loses, right? And I really want to dig into that further. But, excuse me, the conclusion I came to is that the need to belong to a group and feel included in a group or the dominant group is so deeply wired into us as humans Mm -hmm. that 
It's mm. almost impossible to overcome. Do you, what do you, do you agree with that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I was trying to, you know, you're just like all over it because I have, um, there's a chapter in my book and it's called the community in quotes, psyop and other tall tales from the cult of the simulacrum. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 um, the sort of subtitle of the chapter is yay let's create doomsday together um so um so yeah so i i wanted to find a little section in there that where i kind of get into that um a little bit and to see make this the downsides of community yes so so i i talk about how the this energized drive that you're talking about for community that seems so like ingrained, it is very, very powerful. But what, where I went with my thinking, just, just trying on my contrarian hat, or I'm just, I don't I'm not trying on my contrarian hat anymore. I'm just wearing it to, to sleep. I, I wear it in the shower, so, you know, the crown, so, you wear it as so, a crown. <laughs> so here's what I, I, I propose in, in my book is that community is not a universal drive. And that as we individuate, the need and desire for community should actually grow less. Interesting. Okay. And if it's not, if it's growing more powerful or it's not moving at all, then you're not growing spiritually and Mm. and, and in your own consciousness. Not to say that one might not miss things, but I think when you really add up, like, what am I missing? Well, I'm missing a lot of environments where I was getting looshed. Yep. Very interesting. Uh, man, we could go down so many tangents with that. So I'll, I'll relay it back to my own experience. So I, I used to uh, live and work downtown Toronto. I worked in the financial district. You know, I would go out all the time. I'd see, you know, thousands of people a day. Um, and then then I started my own business and I worked remotely. And now I've actually moved out to the middle of nowhere on a bison ranch. And, uh, like I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. If you guys, if you're, if you ever come out here, we'll, we'll have you over. It's great. But, um, but for me, like I was always an extrovert, right? I love that human to human contact and COVID was so brutal for me. Um, but I got to a point when I started to realize that a lot of my need to, um, be with people was actually egoic. It was a need for validation, right? And so that really changed me, I think, permanently. Bingo. And, and now it's been even – at first it was a lot harder, but now I just feel so much more at peace going out alone into nature and all of that. Um, having said that, um, I do believe there is a, quote, agenda by the archons or the baddies, whatever we want to call them to separate humans for each other, right? To get us all living in pods, to get us all eating bugs, not, uh, you know, uh, congregating together in physical spaces, right? Because I do think there is a certain magic to that. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think there is a role and a power in congregating as humans? Um, or do you think it's all loose? <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I wrote this, I simultaneously, almost simultaneously published another book along with The World Cult and You, and it's called Musings from a Small Island. They both came out this year. And that is a self-illustrated memoir of the time that I spent up in Hilton Head 
uh, doing a lot of body surfing and painting. And uh, so it's kind of philosophical and funny and snarky. It's, you know, you take some Peter Mayall and John Barrent and throw in some Anthony Bourdain, a little Henry Miller, you know, it's that kind of thing. So I, I get on a, a huge soapbox in one of the chapters in that book about how to know when you're being lied to by the media, you know, and, and then how to, how to, uh, how to interpret what's being said. And so it's really clear to me that most of the time what we're being said is almost 180 degrees opposite what the truth is. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I, I, in recent months, thinking along these lines, writing the World Cult New, talking about it on interviews and that kind of thing, I've just been wondering why more truthing hasn't been hasn't been uh, brought to bear on the possibility that all of these things we're being fed are not what they want to do. That transhumanism is not what they want to do. They want to do something like the opposite. They don't want to separate us in smart cities and blah, blah, blah. They're ac they actually want to do the opposite. And one of the reasons they might want to be doing the opposite is bringing a lot of people together. As some of the greatest horrific moments in what we know of as history were when lots of people came together, like in Germany or in, in uh, you know, the Roman Empire and committed atrocities together. So that's that community aspect. And it's so much easier to loose people when they come into community. And one way of making them come into community is to tell them they can't have community, that they are in lockdown, that they, they to make them want the things that they had taken for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, their very humanness and the things that they, they hold dear are going to be taken from them by some transhumanist agenda. And... Honestly, looking at their pattern, this archontic pattern, because they're not very original. They run the same scripts over and over. I think it's safe to say probably none of that is actually the goal. Mm. Wow. See, guys, that's that's contrarian right there. Uh, what do you think the goal is, though? Like literally the exact opposite, to create peace on Earth for us to eat meat only and no bugs and... <laughs> The, what what do you well, think they're actually trying to achieve? And we'll use the, well, they, you know, in the current truth. Right, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I know we could go down that rabbit hole. Well, if they're trying to generate louche for themselves and the great parasite, I don't believe that works as well when people are robots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you don't actually don't want them being transhumanized because you need their louche. They're better batteries when they're more like people. I think yeah. that's true. Actually, for, for this kind of energy, I don't mean electromagnetic energy. I mean, uh, you know, energy of consciousness. So taking away people's consciousness doesn't give you more power if you're at the top of the world cult, pyramid. Mm -hmm. it, it it takes away from your power. So that would be a bad move on the, on the part of the great parasite. Mm -hmm. And also, if you separate people... They don't generate nearly as much collective loosh, so that would be a bad move. Mm. The goal would seem, as always, to be to to push people into claiming the things that they want until they zero in more closely on the things that they really want and that are really important. Maybe they pass through a whole bunch of things that aren't even that important, but they're moving back towards something more authentic. 
mm. uh, more more central to why they're here to begin with. So they start prioritizing, and maybe they go through a bunch of stuff. They they turn and they throw out the window. It's like Don Juan telling Castaneda, "Build your truth inventories all you want. So keep." Keep trying to figure out what reality is. Just know that when that starts feeling heavy and it no longer serves you, just you have to get rid of it. You have to burn it. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Man, I never thought about it that way. And because I do think there is a um, there is a power when like-minded people of similar vi- vibration, if you will, or consciousness congregate together. But when, like, for example, we had Remembrance Day here and my fiance and I, we decided, let's go, you know, support, let's go. And it honestly felt to both of us like it was some type of blood sacrifice ritual, right? It's like Mm -hmm. on the square with, you know, some sketchy geometry and everybody's mourning death. And they said, you know, give their blood sacrifice. And we... We were like the only ones there. Like we felt like we were in, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a, the Good Shepherd ritual or something, you know, at Skull and Bones. Like, and, that's intense. Yeah, and so so I I do kind of see that. I I think for me I wouldn't say it's all bad to congregate together. I I just think when you when you have a lot of people together, you can very easily create a a, a ritual of sorts to be loosed. Right, right. Uh, I mean, in theory, people coming together is not a bad idea at all. I don't want I don't want to be misunderstood on this point. But what you really have, if you have, let's say, a bunch of Jedi level consciousness explorers who have worked on their power and their boundaries, and they decide to come together, it's going to be amazing. It's going to make Burning Man look like, you know, you know, some kind of weird kindergarten or something. Okay, but but what we have is a lot of fragmented, traumatized, damaged people seeking validation or whatever else they're seeking coming together in these groups and then being bombarded with propaganda and gaslighting and mind control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to steer those occasions in certain directions, the outcome is almost never going to be positive. Just look around. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Maybe to put it more succinctly, um, well, based off what you're saying, I think trauma is the key component. So, I don't know. Were you aware of the Travis Travis Scott concert when like nine people died? Did you Did you know about that? I just heard about it. I never looked into it. Okay. Well, yeah. Essentially, you know, the Christians were calling it a a literal satanic uh, ma- like mock ritual. Right? He was up there dressed in all black. There was like uh, Baphomet behind him and dark red, and he, you know put his arms out and started saying like die 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 and like eight people died <laughs> right Intent. and, and yeah. so i think that was exactly what you're saying like a level of loosening that you, you know you can't even imagine right the archons are probably you know like fatties after that you know and same with yeah war, right, right? And, yeah. oh of course i mean the other thing to keep in mind is that there doesn't have to be some kind of pre-scripted agenda people coming together who are so damaged somebody in that group will eventually become the cult leader Mm -hmm. 
and the group will go to hell in a handbasket. Just all it just always happens. I say that you know that communities inevitably become communes. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't even have to involve some kind of archontic deep state agenda to perform a ritual. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist. Don't don't get me wrong. Yes, there's a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. But it's also possible for people to kind of end up constructing something like that literally on the spur of the moment with no previous planning because we're creators. Mm -hmm. And things can happen in such a weird way when a lot of psyches come together with a lot of strange energy. You know, we we don't know how powerful we are and what great imagineers we are. Oh, it's so true. And, man, that's that's like 5D truth or chess right there, right? With the truthers, we're ingrained to think all of this is a top-down conspiracy, right? Planned from thousands of years ago. There may be some truth to that, right? But what I see more and more is exactly as you're saying. Like, I see almost self-fulfilling prophecies if you have millions of people who have given their power away collectively who are damaged and aren't taking ownership and sovereignty over their lives their health their well-being inevitably you will like a, a leader will arise right and there doesn't have to be any top-down manipulation for that to occur right and eventually you'll have this polarity between pro and anti and then they'll fight Right. And then there'll be extremist versions and then there'll be, you know, denial versions. Right. All of that can almost self-organize based off the the kind of grid layout. Is, is that kind of what you're saying or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's this science experiment uh, that involves DNA. And for anyone out there who's a DNA denier, I'm a I'm a reality denier. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm way past you, but I'm saying that if enough people believe in DNA, then DNA exists, at least for functional purposes. So get, get over it. Anyway, so this scientist named Pachinko or Pacheco, he hermetically sealed these containers with just water and like super heated sand that had just been totally sterilized and they just set them out like you know in the sun and then came back and there was dna all in them wow. you know so so the whole idea is that 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 this energy wave that is consciousness is constantly seeking to become quote-unquote real either atomically mm -hmm. or genetically they're kind of the same thing for inanimate versus animate creatures mm -hmm. and they use these pathways these it's like tor i call it torsion energy based on you know kazi rev's research and other people who've talked about this eli carton talked about this years and years ago a scientist mm -hmm. this spinning torsion energy is what spins everything together it's why when we you know when we see galaxies and that kind of thing they're the shape they are you know regardless of whether they actually exist that's what's being presented to us our hair is a spiral our skin our skin patterns are spirals everything is basically a spiral in nature a great book by jeff ward called patterns the the um the uh, spirals, the patterns of existence or something like that. And, and he goes into just example after example after example. It, it's really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring this up is that there is there is a methodology through which consciousness turns into what we perceive as reality, and it follows a geometry. And this is the, this is the Fibonacci sequence. This is the golden mean. This is why it's so important to understand that, because it's the mathematics of what we call reality, even if it's just a dream. Right. Yeah. It's so fascinating um, when we, so 
more and more when we're looking into the nature of reality, we're just seeing nothing, right? You know, and the observer effect alone. And so for guys, if, if for, for those who don't know the what the observer effect is, essentially it was a quantum physics experiment that's been repeated hundreds, if not thousands of times now, where they shot particles, uh, light particles, one by one at a wall. And these particles were shot in between two slits. And essentially what should have been particles were showing as wave patterns. And when we say wave patterns, we're talking about like potentiality, right? So instead of being one dot or a point, they were a wave function. And so what they probability realized, curve. probability curve. Thanks. So yeah. yeah, he Saul can speak to this in a lot greater depth, I'm sure. But essentially, the conclusion was that the act of us actually observing this happening changed the fundamental structure of matter. And quantum physicists basically say, oh, it's just on the, the quantum level. But no, um, it, it is very clear that the role of consciousness is fundamentally um, impacting reality. And, you know, it's not to, not to be solipsistic in that, you know, I can't just wish a house to come down and a billion dollars in front of me. But there does seem to be this role of consciousness in manifestation. Uh, Saul Luckman, your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm really into solipsism. I mean, the whole idea that we are in in unity ultimately is a solipsistic reality. That is the ultimate reality. It is solipsism, basically. So, you know, when someone accuses me of, of solipsism, uh, you know, in my perspective, I know that they're kind of like running a, a script. I think of the term conspiracy theory that's like an excuse so that you don't think and understand how much power you actually have. It's back to this idea that everything is geared 180 degrees away from the truth. So we have to th make people think, oh, this is just a quantum or a microscopic effect. It only applies to the micro. This whole Heisenberg uncertainty principle where it appears that people maybe are creating their own reality. Oh, it just happens in the very the most tiny, the tiniest, most infinitesimal places and aspects of our reality. Well, per what I've been saying, go the opposite way. It happens on the macro. It has to be happening on the macro. This is spellcasting. This is sorcery. This is magic. This is the magic of language. This is neuro-linguistic programming. This is mind control. Nailed it. So you heard it here, truthers. A kennel, I'm looking at you in the chat. So, you know, drink the fluoride, breathe the chemtrails, eat the GMOs, and maybe they're there to give us the superhuman powers. <laughs> Swim in the train, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, I want to shift gears for a little bit, and I really want to talk about your book. First, we'll get through comments here. So we have Everyday Box. Uh, he said that there is a collective shadow self like that has weight and steers like gravity called it the pile for years. So what do you think of that? Oh, that's funny. I've been saying I'm moving the shit pile for years. So maybe we're talking about the same thing. The collective consciousness is the shit pile. Nice. Okay. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm sort of making a joke and at the same time, I'm kind of agreeing with you. <laughs> Okay, everyday box. Saul, uh, Saul agrees. He calls it the shit pile, though. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, uh, what do we got here? Postmodern, where we focus matters. I think we would both agree with that. And right on. I love I love postmodernism because it's it's extremely 
extremely solipsistic, extremely spellcasty, and I know a lot of truthers hate it, but I, I think it's very close to the truth. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Why, it's why truthers hate it. Yeah. Everyday box, you British bastard. I love you as well. It's giving us a shout out here. Okay. Um, so, Salt, your book, The World Cult and You and The Way Out. Salt, what motivated you to write this? Oh, yeah. That's a really, really good question. I mean, there's there's some personal stuff that I don't want to go into um, involving a, a truth or cult that some people listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm not here to do anything ad hominem or anything like that. So Respect. I want to keep this about, about ideas. And what, what my experience is of being kind of um, negatively impacted by a truth or cult did for me was to, it was to just, it just popped open my perception. It happened very, very fast. And I saw many of the things that I've been sharing with you in this last 45 minutes. I saw them almost at the same time. And I began writing a series of articles to elucidate some of these concepts. And this was like, you know, this this created a lot of uh, a lot of backlash in certain truth or communities. Also brought forward a lot of supporters and people who said, you know, you're actually articulating things that I've been thinking about or intimating, feeling for a very long time. So, I really felt like I was onto it because you know I was onto something. I was over the target because I was getting such you know such resistance, but also support at the same time. And that just sh that told me that I you know I needed to just keep going. Mm -hmm. So I kept, I kept, you know, I kept writing the book and, and or the articles, and then I decided to take the articles and do some kind of, you know, postmodern, very, very flow-oriented Marshall McLuhan-esque, uh, uh, you know, little little book out of them, and that became the World Cult and You. Wow, yeah, no, that's great, and that's why I really resonate with your journey, is because I've seen your videos over the years, and. You've gone down the same rabbit holes that I have. For example, the no virus, right? The uh, 138, I'll just put it there, right? And gotten totally hooked. And, and you and I seem very similar in that regard that, you know, and I think many people who identify or used to identify as truthers, right? We get locked into these, these things and we just go totally down the rabbit hole, right? And you have the ability to really pull out of it. And so... At what point um, did that hit for you when you realized, hey, this is not something I want to be involved in. This is detrimental. Uh, maybe you can t tell us a little more about that. Well, let me let me talk a little bit about this whole idea of being loosed in cults and that kind of thing in my own my own process. So when when I got sick back in my in my 20s and then I healed myself almost a decade later in my 30s, I. Uh, I really, I had seen into a lot of the darkness and weirdness that, that a lot of truther channels are still focused on, whether that that has to do with jabs or, you know, the the, the agenda uh, around all that kind of thing. I mean, I read my Leonard Horowitz and, uh, you know, Healing Codes for the Biological Apocalypse. I mean, of course, and, you know, I, I, I absolutely got into that. And at some point in time, I intuited more than I wasn't as conscious of this at the time. This was years ago. I intuited that, you know, I would go on to places like Zero Hedge or, you know, other places. And I just the feeling I got was so, 
so weird. It felt like, um, you know, my energy was being drained. And lo and behold, well, it was being drained um, by these various channels. But I didn't I didn't have language for it at the time. And I didn't recognize this was a kind of universal phenomenon. And I went off of when I was living out in New Mexico, I went off of all of that stuff for years. And and this is when I, I really got a lot stronger in my body and stuff. And I kind of came out of uh, kind of a you know, I, I, I kept healing, I suppose, is what happened to me. And eventually, I got sucked right back into all of that. And I started worrying about the state of the world and, you know, this kind of thing. And, and then I was able to come back out of that once again, without fully understanding what was going on. And then the, the real kicker was what brought me truly back into all of that was COVID, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, okay, now the wolf is at the frigging door, okay, I've got to do something about this, right? And so I really, you know, threw in my hat with, um, with the terrain theorists and looking at, at, you know, whether viruses existed and all that kind of thing and interviewed everybody from Tom Cowan to Andy Kaufman to all of these people about this question. Did you do the a turpentine? Lot of, Just curious. I, 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 well, I did try that. I didn't yeah. like the way it made me feel. Um, I, I actually never really felt like I, I needed that. I mean, uh, one of the things that happens with my healing work, Regenetics, is that it builds your power up, your kundalini, your chi, so much that you spew out toxins. So you actually, you don't want to increase that. You want to slow it down, if anything. So I always... Like when someone, when I say less is more for people doing regenetics, I mean a lot less is more. If you do too much, you will just spin your wheels so fast or you'll go, start going so fast that you'll get uncomfortable. But that's that's a, a different discussion. I did make a video on this uh, very topic uh, today. But anyway, so I was, you know, I was really uh, feeling like I, I needed to. To, to fight, you know, uh, these these scientism folks, you know, the Steve Kirschis and Jeremy Hammonds. I mean, to say nothing of the Fauci's of the world, but I mean, I, those, you know, I was considering them just totally archontic minions. It was these uh, was these other people like Joseph Mercola and other people that I thought should know better, you know. Yeah. But really, I, I write about this in the world, Colton, you. I, I really believe, here we go again, that there's no truth on the issue, that it's all what you're placing your focus on, your perception, that if you believe in viruses strongly enough, boy, they're going to exist for you, and you better watch out, and you better wear your mask. And if you and if, if you don't believe in them, then they won't exist for you, and they won't hurt you. I essentially believe that's how it works. I mean, you know, could there be slight permutations? Yeah, based on individual psyche and circumstances and that kind of thing. But essentially, we are basically creating these tulpas or egregores, these thought forms. So you have the major thought form of, of the virus versus the the antithesis. So you have the thesis, and the antithesis is the no-virus construct. And then the synthesis is to keep us all in this duality struggle, not being able to understand each other like we're living, reliving the Tower of Babel. <laughs> well said, my friend. Well said. And, and what I want to add to that is I, I'm actually proposing that different evidence is being fed to the different camps. Yep, yep. And they can't they can't talk to each other because they are seeing a different reality. Oh, I can't agree more. I call it getting algoed. It refers to the algorithm. Yeah. Right? So Yeah, so, like what what's your algorithm feed? Yeah, exactly. Like that so for example like tr Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just trying to get clear on your your metaphor there. I think I, I think I got it though. Yeah. So it's your algorithm feed. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So for Trump, right. Um, you know, half of them are, are getting fed. He's literally Satan. You know, he's a warmonger, fascist, Hitler 2.0, right? Which was, I don't agree, right? And then the other side, he's like literally the Messiah. He's going to come down, save us all, drain the swamp, which was Classic. also not true, right? So both sides were wrong and only see their own sides. And so it creates this this polar polarization, which creates the, the louche. The great louche of the world cult. Absolutely. It's, it's how it works. It's a classic example. That's a wonderful political example. The same thing has happened, you know, time out of mind with, with religions, you know, Islam versus Christianity, for example. You know, uh, it, you can just pick you know, any area and you end up with examples of what I call the duality cult. Yes. So, yes. the, so religion's a big one. Uh, science versus scientism is a big one. You know, politics, of course, left and right. Wow, that's that's a classic one. Yep. You know, but really, it exists almost anywhere um, that you look. That you're going to find a, a kind of duality function within that cult experience. Yep. Yep. Exactly, and it doesn't have to be top down. It, it you know, as you're laying the case in your work, it. It very much seems to be self-organizing. Yeah, in many cases, I think that's true. You know, in, in uh, what used to be called like chaos theory, which became complex adaptive systems, or there was a lot of crossover there. You know, it was this idea that we live in a self-organizing reality on on massive scales. You know, so that you know the butterfly flaps its wings over here, the tornado or the you know typhoon or gets created over there, and there's so much that's linking them that would appear to be not related to either, mm -hmm. but they, they are actually links in a massive chain of causality. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I'm sort of proposing something like that in the way our so-called reality works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it's just so fascinating. Um, and for me, so to be clear, I, I, I don't like the, the woke, um, thinking of, you know, everything is relative. I, you know, whatever I say I am, you have to, you know, take that as reality. No, I don't agree with that. But where I think um, the importance is, is the emotional hook, right? So it's okay, guys, to like Trump or to be against this thing or to, you know, be skeptical of whatever. But how they get us is the emotional hook. And Saul, I know you talk about that quite a bit. Uh, maybe you could elaborate on that for the viewers. Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely uh, absolutely right about that. I, you know, like like you know, you're saying it, it's okay to actually, in some ways, have a position as long as you're not rigid and dogmatic in the position. So, like with, you know, like with vaccines. I mean, I'm certainly not against bodily autonomy, you know, I mean, this is really, really important to me. But at the same time, I don't let this define me. This, this one position doesn't define me. Yes. And I'm, and I'm not willing to become emotionally charged about it anymore because I know that when I do that, I am participating in a cult yeah. dynamic and I'm being loose and I'm offering up my power to the very thing that I fear, which is the the entity or the the structure that has the the power possibly to just tie me down and 
stick me with a needle. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And so that's what I've really been trying to get across in my um, solo podcasts is that the things that they are doing are, let's just call them bad. Let's all agree that, you know, no person should be forced to take an experimental jab. People, you know, shouldn't be paying, you know, 90% carbon tax because, you know, the planet may or may not be heating up. Right. We all agree. Right. But the issue is, is your actual response to that. Right. There's a very big difference between dedicating your waking hours to fighting and bitching online or in person against a machine that might not even be human. Right. You might be literally just fighting AI bots versus just within yourself. When you reclaim your sovereignty, you can just say no and move about your day and focus on what you do want in your life. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I talk about just walking away, yeah. you know, like, don't, you know, don't don't stand up for something that puts you right in. It's exactly where the great parasite and the world cult want you is in in an adversarial relationship to whatever is going on. And that's that's where you are at risk, where you're not at risk is in is in walking away to the best of your ability and to the best of your circumstances. Of course. Yeah, I totally agree. And so we we are discussing quite a bit and laying out the potential for this being largely self-organizing. Would you say it's entirely self-organizing? Like, do you, do you still subscribe to the idea that there may be a central controller, archontic force, UFOs, aliens that are running things in the world today? You, you know, wh where are you currently at? Cause I know you're all, you've been all over the, the uh, spectrum there. Yeah, well, you know what I've done in the world cult and you is I've I've done a meta analysis, right? This is a this is a meta analytical project where I'm I'm looking at the project from outside the project. Mm -hmm. You know, so the yeah. construct, you know, I'm assuming that I'm looking at it from from a perspective that, that does not actively participate in the construct itself. That's the whole mentality that I brought to the table. So in doing that, I have abandoned every. Everything you just mentioned, and I realized that what is controlling it is us. Mm. It's all us. There is only one of us here. It, yeah. it can't be any other way in a unified system. Now, do we feel like individuals? Do we have uh, what appear to be individual paths through and perhaps out of the matrix? Absolutely. That's part of the game. But ultimately, there's a big party on the other side of this somewhere, I believe, where, you know, where we reunify or we have that opportunity or we become tremendous creators in our own right. Mm -hmm. And we go and we create a new universal experiment and then we seemingly fragment into a gajillion pieces and the whole thing happens again. Different players, different experiences, different learning. Ah, man, so deep. I would push back, though. So in the New Age uh, community, right, they always say we're all one, you know, we're all gods. You are God. I am God, right? And I get where that comes from. It's the idea that literally if God is infinite, there can be no nothing separate from God, right? And we are the illusion of separateness, right? That's uh, Buddhic theory, philosophy, Gnostic philosophy, which I largely ascribe to, right? But on the mm -hmm. other hand, you can see a lot of insanity in the New Age um, cults, 
Ezra, if you will. And, oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that comes from ego. And I actually have a theory about ego. I'm going to throw it out, and I'm going to give you the floor. I think, so if we talk about ego, um, to me it tracks the exact same as Satan in the Bible. The deceiver, the false uh, self, the false lord, right? Uh, you know, tempting us, right, to to sit on the throne, right? Like a little me who pretends he's big. And then, you know, the same concept with, you know, demons and, and things like that. To me, I see this as the same interplay, right? Uh, so would love to hear, does that spark anything for you? And, and what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't know how far you went in the, the world cult and you, but there's a there's a chapter where, where I'm, um, I'm proposing two initial strategies for decultifying yourself, deluching yourself. And, and they both involve a kind of not doing where you just get rid of a concept. So <laughs> it's not so much you have to go out and do something, it's you let something go. Mm. And the first, one, the first thing you have to let go, I believe, to begin exiting the system is the notion of evil. Yes. As in it doesn't exist. It's a total construct. We, we are all things, and therefore we are evil, and we are good, and all of that kind of thing. So the idea of some separate evil that is inherently bad, here to tempt us and lead us into perdition, is an absolute loosing masterpiece of mm. storytelling fiction. And the second, uh, well, that was, the, that, was the, that was the, yeah, that was the first thing to let go was evil. And the second thing is truth. The idea that in this funhouse of subjectivity where we can change scientific experiments with our consciousness and people are getting Mandela affected left, right, and center, the, the idea that there's some, some something like a there there where we can finally feel at home and not in some kind of sliding space is ridiculous. It's not how it works. What people have to do is be willing to slide around, be willing to be uncomfortable, be willing to be in motion and fluid and malleable. And then you'll start to feel more at home in all of this. It won't feel quite so so threatening and odd. Yeah, I like that. On the topic of evil, though, this is something that I really struggle with. So, you know, I've had a Christian background. I no longer identify as Christian, but I identify with a lot of the the wisdom and the, the concept as well as the Gnostic side. But I, it, I would be curious your thoughts practically, because when I, when I hear evil doesn't exist, I really struggle with that. Like, so I can see the side that, you know, when there's evil happening in the world, it will cause people to eventually wake up to the fact that this is horrendous and lead to an awakening, right? Or it causes, calls us to do better or whatever. Um, but I, I do find it troubling sometimes when people say that, you know, it doesn't exist, right? There, there's so much suffering and abuse and, and things like that. And another part of me thinks practically in my own world, if I would to see that happen, I would step in obviously. So um, maybe you can maybe you can comment that in terms of how you would practically apply your philosophy in your in your everyday life in terms of evil. Yeah, and I, I know that I dropped the ball on the idea of ego there. So if you can remind me, I can maybe get back to that. But let me give you an example. So let's say there is uh, an an, uh, an entity of some kind that puts a lot of wear and tear on itself and and actually abuses itself in a lot of ways and 
it doesn't listen to the messages that it's getting that it, it shouldn't be doing that. And it, um, it has very negative feelings about itself uh, at times. And you could even say that it hates itself. It doesn't like what it sees in, in, the, in the mirror or whatever. Um, and it engages in all kinds of self-sabotaging behavior. It creates uh, trauma and unple unpleasantness and feelings of doom and gloom, even su suicidal tendencies. And if I were to tell you that that's an apt description of a lot of people walking around would we call all of those people evil uh yeah it's no there i i see i see people as just unawake awoken unconscious so so if you if you take that to the macro level to the systemic level all of those things same things are going on to the body politic to the world cult so they're happening systematically and systemically mm -hmm. so i don't i can't identify an evil there i can identify suffering yeah. and even tragedy uh, and all kinds of uh, very unpleasant things happening but to, to say that there's a, a recognizable evil force in that i think is part of the archontic trap it's the it's the mind parasite wanting to send you down another rabbit hole like a truth a rabbit hole yeah. not you but want to yeah. send one down a rabbit hole um and to separate, you're separating out your the creator from the created, which is like a no-no in my book. And you're um, you're basically disempowering yourself because you're you're saying that there's some force out there that's so strong that I I, I don't really have a lot of power over it, mm -hmm. and I could never hope to defeat it. Or even if, even if I try, I'm probably not going to. If, if you listen to your inner voice when people, <laughs> you know, who are fighting all of these ills in the world, a lot of them don't really, really believe that they're ever going to get the upper hand. And, and, and the reason they believe that is because the way things are going, they're not. That's so true. Okay, you, you have me convinced. So I just, you know, I struggle with a lot of, so for me, I believe in grounded spiritual, spiritual out, spirituality in that, you know, I do feel the presence of God and connected to God, right? But I've also messed around with a lot of new agers in the past who, you know, everything is like I'm already in 12th density and, you know, anything that's negative in their life, they brush it off to be like, oh, it's not real. It's just in my mind. And and I think that's totally toxic. And I think that's of the ego. So, um, you know, with everything, yeah, I would in agree life, with that. Mm -hmm. yeah, with everything in life, we we're called to find the balance and we're called to be grounded, I believe. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And what I would say is that anything is possible. Like, it's, who was it who said, um, oh, Cormac McCarthy, he, in one of his books, he, he, he wrote that the truth about the world is that anything is possible. Yeah. That's a, you know, I think that's an act quote, right? So, yeah, so, so somebody could perhaps be in the 12th dimension, whatever the heck that is, right? Yeah. If, if they were powerful enough to, focus their holographic creative laser of their imagination on that reality and then step into it. Yes, it's all possible. The, the, but where the ego comes in is that people think they're doing things that they're not doing. Yeah. And they will tell that to make themselves, they will say that to make themselves look more spiritually evolved. Ah, uh, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. It's like, I feel intuitively the idea that we are one with God is correct. And I feel that deeply in my being, right? 
But to then say, like, I am God or I'm one with God or, you know, that I don't, you know, have to go to the bathroom and eat or that I don't get pissed off at least five times a day still, you know, is, uh, you know, it, it just it just doesn't track for me. It, you know, it feels like BS. Right. So I think we're all on that journey. And, yeah, a lot of that is ego identification as well. So um, did you want to get into that? Actually, first, just let me get into some comments here and then. Uh, we'll do the ego talk because I think that would be very fascinating. So, uh, Martini, we have verbal Aikido, a tool to get to know your ego. Ego isn't against you, just makes it challenging because it wants to protect you most of the time. Interesting. Would you agree with that, Saul? Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I just made a video today that is adapted from Potentiate Your DNA. And it's on this exact subject. It's about one's relationship to the ego. And my my thesis is the ego is simply a part of our psyche. It's designed to be part of us. But it's it's it, in, a, in a healthy mind, and with someone uh, experiencing mental health, the ego is a, is a servant, not the master. In most people, the ego is the master. Yeah. So really, like everything else, we have to go 180 degrees to get to something that is more accurate in terms of what's going on or that is healthier. Totally agree. Like for me, um, I've been doing some, uh, it's kind of a therapy recently and I'm going to talk more about it later, but basically I've come to this conclusion that trauma and ego hand in hand, they are one basically. And for me, I've started to confront and heal trauma and it's created, I've just have much more energy in my life. And I also saw that that trauma and that egoic pattern, right. Was an autopilot program that, um, was there to protect me. So Martrini, I agree so much. Like it literally felt like it was like a scared child who like was trying to protect me, you know, from that, abuse that that created that cycle so even though that was a pattern or a mindset that was very detrimental to my mental and physical health right it was there in a weird way to protect me so you're calling it ego as opposed to something like survival instinct or um some some other word i mean it might be exactly the same i'm just i'm just asking a question well why don't we how about we'll take a step back. Why don't you define what you think the ego is? And then that will probably tee things up a bit better. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, if I had to just give a very, you know, succinct, um, definition of ego, I would, I would say that it is the, it is the, um, it's like it is like the sacred masculine aspect of our psyche. It's the protector. Okay. And it's meant to serve. It's meant to serve the feminine, the generative principle. Mm-hmm. And the feminine is the more uh, open and inclusive aspect of ourselves that is is uh, uh, more aware of its connection to the environment and to other people and is a much greater guide than the masculine. But the masculine is is a protector and is really good at that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. How would you define it? 
so for me, I believe that the ego is the false self, but it was almost in a, an evolved mechanism. So, you know, the more I've gone down, you know, altered states of consciousness, meditation, all of that, it's clear to me that the only thing I know for sure is that I am conscious and that I am present and that, you know, in the present moment is where I reside. And the more I become aware of my thoughts during meditation and other practices, I see that the mind is not me, right? The mind is an autopilot, almost entity, right? Apart yes, from me yeah. in a way, right? And it's, it is endless in terms of streaming loops, right? It's just endless loops, thought patterns, thought patterns. And, um, it's there to it and it's it's desperate it's like a fiend latching on for any identity it can have right so it's like you know i'm this i'm that you're this i'm better than you you're better than that right and it's like for me if if i can be in a state of presence it's actually funny right if you can actually observe your thoughts and not identify with them um, it's so funny, right? You're just like, wow, that's hilarious. I, like, that's a funny thought instead of like, wow, I'm crazy. Oh my God. I'm thinking that, oh my God, I'm going insane. Right. The, the doom loop. Right. So a bit of a ramble, but I would say that I believe the ego is the false self that was created for us to interact in the world, to form, you know, identities, careers, all of that stuff that isn't us. And it can be a detriment to us when we identify with it. I like that. I would love, love to sort of put that together with my idea. So if you have a sacred masculine part of your psyche um, that is corrupted, you know, by something, then it becomes something like what you're describing, where it, its role is kind of inverted and it becomes the master as opposed to the servant. And it is designed to make you kind of interact and, and fit into the world cult. I think you could actually put those two models together. You know, you've got Matt McKinley over at Quantum of Conscience, talk, Conscience talking about, you know, the human download. And I, I write about that in my book as well. And, I, you know, it's like there's just so much garbage out there. I, I write, you know, the, you know, all of these these conspiracy doom things that are also very much tied to, to um the you know the ego and the need to be right the need to have a discovery and the, and then you know as opposed to just the need the, the fact of the matter is that you're just creating these things so i say forget the rapture forget the harvest forget the mothership forget the great pyramid forget enoch all of that mental garbage like the bread and butter of truthers conspiracies is part of the great parasites hypnotic crack download to keep you looking out when you should be looking in yeah yeah and uh, I totally agree. And I'll give you an example of ego, right? So I, I believe that if you're present, guys, like if you practice presence, you know, whether that's just meditation or Eckhart Tolle or whatever, right, you can get into flow states where things are very easy. You have to almost observe almost no force, right? Things come to you in a flow-like state. People, you know, an old friend calls you out of the blue, you know, that deal that you've been working on for two weeks, it just kind of works out, you know, and, um, but the flip side is for the ego, it, it basically, the nature of the ego, it helps you assert your will on the world, right? So our, um, 
some of my close friends, we do a lot of canoe trips. And most of the time when I'm in nature, I'm in my element. I'm just total flow state, total presence. I lose all track or or even concept of time or the outside world for days, weeks on end. It's incredible. But one time we got into a situation where we nearly died and we, uh, like our boat ripped a two foot hole in the, in the middle of the woods. We're like, two days walk from the near or at least a day's walk from the nearest logging road, which may not have cars on it for days or weeks. Right. And it was in that moment where that ego kicked in for me. It's like, buddy, you have to make it through this. Like you have to overcome like in the rain, the sleet, the sl- snow, you know, you got to do this. Wow. Right. And it was like this energy. It was like this animalistic energy where we just did it. Right. Like I was dialed in focused. Right. We stayed up all night. We ended up, picking like tiny pieces of sap um, on like hundreds of trees and boiled it and, and patched the boat. Right. And it was like that will that like drive that was so deep inside. And that that's what to me, the ego feels like. It's like a tool to kind of assert your, your will, if you will. I, I don't know. Oh, that's fantastic. It's really, you know, in Cali, the destroyer, I have this Gnostic archontic scenario going on. And the the Gnostics in that in this book, they live inside the earth. So it's a kind of hollow earth book. And it's a sci-fi sci-fi book. You know, I don't necessarily believe in any of that. It's just a, a, yeah. a trope. Really. So they are the actual Gnostics who have been sharing their wisdom throughout the, the you know, the various uh, centuries. And they are really into, you know, the sacred feminine, that being the goddess, right? And then the sacred masculine being the kind of protector of the goddess, you know, the, 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 um, the, the guardians, as it were, uh, of the goddess. And so what you described, the mental focus, the energy, the drive and determination that came upon you in that moment was classic mm-hmm. masculine behavior in this model that I'm I'm laying out there. And I'm not saying that these are essentialized terms everybody has i believe everybody has feminine and masculine yep, i'm saying these are more like archetypes yep. but you, you know you just absolutely tapped into it yeah yeah and it's a tool right and we can choose to identify with it or not right and it, it, and the trap is when we think we are that <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Love yeah. It. Well, you know, I have a little quiz in the world cult in you, and it's like forty questions to ask to to rate your degree of cultification, right? And one of them is, you know, everyone, every one that you're answering a, a no to is is essentially that means you're less cultified. So if you're, if you're answering yes, you know, that's that's one thing you have working against you in terms of extracting yourself from the loose circuit. So one of the questions is that you strongly identify as your body, you know. Yeah. Or one of the statements, you know, answer yes or no. And so, if you if you really are in this whole gender cult, and it's that's that's everything that's going on relative to gender. It's just one massive gender cult. Then you're you know you're in a huge loose loose dynamic relative to your sense of self. <laughs> loose gasm, yeah, love it. Loose gasm. <laughs> Loose apocalypse. What? 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 You? You? You put the word in there. I forget. Is that what? what, Loosecalypse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Loosecalypse. It's hard to say. Yeah. Okay. I just want to get to a couple comments here, guys. Thanks for sticking in. Seems like everyone's really vibing the chat. So, uh, Martini says we'll have to send you what I have on verbal aikido. Is male and female sides also different ego entities roots? 
including angry child, spontaneous child, critical parenting, nourishment, nourishing parent. Yeah. Saul Luckman. I like that. that. Yeah, I have a video called Reverse Looshing the Looshers, How to Practice Spiritual Aikido Against Mental Parasites. I mean, I'm with you all the way. Yeah, love it. What do we got here? Yeah, Everyday Box was talking about reality tunnel vision. And I think that's very much, Saul, what you're... (laughs) Oh, that's a funny, that's a funny turn of phrase. I like that because we hear about reality tunnels, but then, you know, the reality tunnel vision is when you, when you follow the rabbit hole down and you lose your sense of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And postmodern said, post postmodern says it's true that truth is subjective. Of course you would say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thoughts on that? Any follow up on there, Saul? Oh, uh, you know, there's a there's a a meme I made. I I can't remember if it's in the book or if I made it after the book, but it's you know someone looking through their smartphone, which says well at, at a a board that says objective, like that's reality, and that what's showing up on the screen is the is the blackboard where that's written, but it says subjective. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love your work. I can't wait to dive in. I, I've been finishing a bunch of books, and I really want to get into your Substack. And guys, you can see it on the screen here. Sell's content is unparalleled. You're seeing all his links. Check him out. Check out his videos. It's incredible. Uh, Saul, every one of your books seems like you really dive deep. And so was there something during the writing of this latest book, The World Cult in You, that really challenged you? Or that was an epiphany for you? Yeah, it was my experience with this truther cult where I was basically thrown to the curb and um, and I realized what the what the dynamic was and what I had allowed, allowed myself to get caught up in. And I committed myself to, to unpacking how that works mm. uh, so that, A, I, I could not make the same mistake again. And B, perhaps I could share some gnosis with other people <laughs> that might help them in some way, even a small way. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. And I've heard you say this is something that was really trippy and made me actually reach out to you. Is that I was I was speaking with my fiance and I was talking about uh, um, how everybody can still be an Agent Smith. Right. If they haven't become fully conscious. And then I heard you in a talk say it right as we were talking. And it was incredible. Right. That's what caused me to reach out. I I knew we were meant to talk. It just felt that way at that point. But can you can you comment on that? That the concept that Uh, everybody is still an Agent Smith. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a that was a really big epiphany that I had when this group of so-called friends turned on me is that, oh, my God, you know, and it's not the first time this had happened. I I've made these videos about bullying. I was bullied as a kid. So I realized I was still repeating patterns that I hadn't resolved, talking about trauma and that sort of thing. So really, this was a healing exercise for me to just speak my truth to these bullies you know, I've had my life threatened. I mean, all kinds of crazy things have happened uh, in relation to to what went down over the summer. So this is not, you know, I don't, I'm not, um, I took none of this lightly, but I felt the absolute responsibility to myself, if to no one else, to simply speak my 
my insides about what I was perceiving with all of this. And the, um, the person, when I look back at my heroes as a writer and as a thinker, the person that I most closely identified with as I was writing the book was Thoreau because he went through the exact, exact same kind of shit, pointing out the obvious to his fundamentalist uh, community uh, members in, in little Concord, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, they were just as blind as bats in their day and, uh, and, and vicious and, uh, you know, very, very close-minded, even though they thought they were doing God's work. And so here we are again. And so I felt like a kind of modern-day Thoreau. I'm not saying I'm as great a writer or even as great a thinker, but I was suddenly in a very similar, similar role where I was sort of speaking something like truth to something like power. Wow. Okay. So it very much was okay. I I see. So maybe for the the listeners, can, can you def maybe we can put it into a practical way because I see people in the comments acting, what is looshing? How do I know I'm getting looshed? So maybe if you could walk through obviously names removed and stuff, the whole process, you know, start to finish, you know, you know, what is that that process like of the loosening for you in that moment? Yeah, I don't really want to go into that particular scenario because I feel like it's going to be too, you know, too tightly sure. tied to, sure. you know, things that people might identify. And it's fine if you know what's going on. I just don't want to spend a lot of time there. It's hard not to because of the nature of our conversation. I realize that. But loose, when you're being looshed, oh, man. Just go on a Sunday evening to Fox Network and watch some football for a while. Just turn it on. Let the volume come through you. Don't turn off the commercials. Just sit through it or do it with news or something like that. And then rate your energy level in before and after terms mm -hmm. and get back with me on that. Mm -hmm. If you want to know kind of what it feels like to be loosed or – be in a relationship where you know you're 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 not getting along with someone and they keep dragging you down and maybe you keep dragging them down that would be perfectly normal in a loosing kind of a, a dual loosing scenario it happens all the time mm -hmm. but just feel your energy and then and then chart your thoughts like what happens when your energy goes down what happens to the 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 uh, width and breadth of your thinking yeah, so it very much it, is. And, and, oh, and please. To the vector of your thinking, is it is it moving up or is it moving down? Is it going sideways? Think almost geometrically just because the energy is going to move mm -hmm. and you can feel it. You can absolutely feel it. I mean, you could probably do things like measure your frigging cortisol levels <laughs> to actually get a physiological reading for what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you saying that because a lot of these Gnostics, they, they present these um, concepts in very esoteric and, you know, cloudy or, you know, heady ways. But it very much is, guys, like, you feel emotionally drained. Like, you will feel tired. You will feel like something has been sucked out of you, right? So, so that's what you're describing? Absolutely. 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 And then it has a direct effect on your consciousness. It's like your consciousness is being drained. You're getting dumber. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. You're getting stupid, you know, when this is happening. And, and so you can't see what's in front of you. You can't understand the shell game that's being played in front of you by 
by the government or by a truther community or anybody else who's pulling the wool over your eyes. Yes. Intentionally, intentionally or otherwise. A hundred percent. And yeah, I would. Um, so I've had this happen to me a few times. I actually was basically in a Christian cult when I was like 20. And so I think this pa- the pattern of the loosening <laughs> and how to deluge is to be aware of the, you know, the, the process. And for me, it was first I start off with trauma in a sense of searching for something outside of myself. Okay. Then I find X thing that provides an answer, a solution, right? A epiphany that I hadn't had before. I then feel very elated and happy and excited. And I then put my energy into that, diving deeper and deeper and deeper. And in that, I find a community of like minds who welcome me in with open arms and loving grace. And eventually, after time, I start to see that there is dysfunction in this group, that things aren't adding up, right? And then I I start to ask questions, right? And the moment I ask a question in good faith, I get ostracized, rejected. You know? There you go. And then I'm spending more and more of my time, you know, with lower and lower energy trying to, you know, fit in or compensate or you know, all of that. And eventually I get so dejected and so turned off from the situation that I have to flee. Right. And often they'll flee with you trying to get the last little, you know, squeeze the last bit of juice out of the lemon. Right. For me, that is the pattern start to finish of looshing. And it applies to any situation, whether it be politics or sports or, um, you know, cults or truth or movement. Um, would you, add anything to that in terms of the pattern or process? Oh, you did a really great job of kind of laying it out and it can happen in much less dramatic ways or much less uh, official ways, you know, with just relationships or situations or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would add is it, that my, my, my good friend, uh, Max Morris over at intuitive public radio, shout out to her. She and I have done a couple of interviews on this material and she's a really brilliant thinker who has a tremendous amount of experience in this area. And she, and she makes a very strong case that when we use the words human trafficking, it's the same thing as the cult phenomenon that I'm describing. Mm. That people are being trafficked for their bodies, for their work, for their income through taxation, for sexual, you know, sexual uh, situations, and for their energy. It's just, it's happening all the time. So I want people to think, I don't want people to walk away from this thinking that this is somehow a fringe phenomenon. It's the way this colonial world cult is structured and the way it functions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a everybody. It's a everybody is basically being human trafficked. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's the movie called the layer cake and that clicked for me. Right. It's like, like I see the entire world as a plantation and I'm going to do a video on that, but there's endless tears, right? Like we are very lucky to be in North America, you know, at this period of time, you know, but it doesn't mean we aren't being loosed and in a, you know, rapidly deteriorating situation. Right. And there's people, you know, it's like this endless layer of your tranche of of trafficking, <laughs> like pyramid. Yeah, you know? absolutely. 
Yeah, I like that. The tranche thing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly kind of how I see it. It's almost like layers of sediment or something, or but it's more biological than that. it's just, you know, it's, it's a system, it's a construct and it's, um, it's in movement all the time and the energy is being extracted and distributed up the food chain all the way to, you know, what I've been calling the great parasite, which um, I, I think is actually a, um, a, dream being a, a being from the realm of dreams that is is actually reaching out through the dream energy to control our minds that's how it that's how it does what it's doing it basically puts us in a state of hypnosis a kind of a dreamlike state where most people are just they don't realize that we're in a dream there are no not dreams there are only dreams so we are just in a in a dream that feels like the waking world but it's very easy for uh, a, a powerful predatorial consciousness understanding the game board to realize that we are so easily hypnotized that it can simply reach in and control our minds. And the way it does this, shamanically speaking, it's, it's, it, it, this is kind of weird, but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It just gives you its mind. Once you're hypnotized, it says, think with my mind. And you begin thinking with its mind Yep. You no longer have your own mind. So you were talking earlier about all these crazy thoughts that if you step away from, you know, you they, they become kind of funny or, you know, they're almost absurd. Well, this is why people have that experience mm -hmm. and why their minds are like pinball machines to, you know, use an old school reference, you know, where just it's all over the place and it's constant. And it never stops and it's bells and whistles. And, you know, you never really win. You just get, you know, just put in another quarter or whatever. It's just constantly going. It's because we, we, we don't have our minds. We've been given the kind of archonic hive mind. So what do you do about that? <laughs> you build up your power until you can actually reclaim your mind. Love it. Love it. So, Saul, I want to be respectful of your time. We are we are at the hour and a half mark. How are you feeling? Did you want to wrap up soon, or, or? let's go for just maybe ten or fifteen more minutes, and then we can wrap it up. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll get to comments here. Uh, Martrini says she doesn't have Twitter, and so she's dead to me. Uh, just kidding. I gave her my email in the chat there. Martrini, we love you. She also said. I know for a fact people are taught to be shitty. I have attempted to get myself to understand that it isn't evil and then mix it with louche in certain psycho experiments, etc. So I'll lock in mm. response. I mean, I'm interpreting that comment to mean that she's, um, I'm he or she, I'm not sure. You said she, right? Um, not sure. Well, it's just, it's just open to, to experimenting to determine what's going on. I mean, that's, that's always laudable. Mm -hmm. Yep, she says. She says you're a big fan. She's a big fan of your work, of course. Saul Luckman's an absolute legend. Okay, so let's say with the time we have left, let's really talk about solutions here. So you've really laid out the problem, namely that there are, um, you know. Archontic forces, whether they're in our head or not, that are basically convincing us to give our power away and to fight in wars and to vote for your stupid politicians and to give all of our energy into a world cult. So, Saul, tell tell us there's help. Is there a way out? <laughs> how, how do I escape? Teach me. 
Well, I'm I'm working on it too, so I don't want anyone to have a a false con- uh, conception or misconception about where I'm coming from. I mean, I'm 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 in it, you know, as well, and uh, really, you know, working my way through different aspects of it. Having said that, the last couple of chapters of the world, Colton, you. Uh, which is an exclusive. I want to say that it's it's you can read it on my Substack only, and you have to go behind my paywall. But you can do it with a free trial, and it's less than two hundred pages, so you can read it in a week or less. So you should be able to just pop back there, read it, and go away if you don't want to do anything else. But there's a lot of other great material back there, so maybe you'll stick around for a month. So anyway, having uh, done that little promo, um, the last two chapters of the book. Are, are devoted to strategies for building up personal power. Hmm. So, so you have one chapter, which is things not to do, meaning things that you can actually just pull your energy out of, things that you maybe don't want to engage in. And th- basically, these are, are examples of things, but you could go on and on and on and on, and I kind of rank them from, from the least important to the most important so there's a whole bunch of considerations there where you can then take that information and say, okay, so here's my life, and this is what I'm doing, and I can I can see pretty clearly now this is where I'm giving away my energy, my personal power, my sovereignty, and these are the things that I can immediately stop doing, and then these are some things that it's going to take me a little longer to change perhaps, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work in that direction. So that's, that's, that's positive, and the nice thing about this aspect of the strategy, the two-part strategy, is that you can begin to feel better without having to take on any extra activities or responsibilities or techniques or methods or meditations or anything. It's just don't do X, Y, and Z and see how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And So you get more time and more energy typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about your work, Sal, is that everything seems like an experiment, right? You're trying things to see, you know, how does that work for you? You know, what is the result? You know, how does that make me feel after? Is that adding to my life or subtracting from my life? And and, and I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that's very much your approach in the, in the book is in terms of taking your own actions and trial and error, right? There's not one fix or quick fix, right? It's a process. Yeah, I mean, it's a process that I know that a lot of people aren't particularly eager to engage because it involves mass, potentially massive changes to your life, your social life, your relationships, your job. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big topic here. I, I get all of that. Yeah. What I am saying is that I don't think it's possible when, when we're in the world cult and we're fully being loosed by it, I don't think it's really possible to, to stay in the world cult to any significant degree and build up our power because it's just going to keep feeding on us and keep, uh, we'll build it up a little bit and then it'll, it'll just, it'll just go on a feeding frenzy and it'll take it down to our ankles again. You know, it should be this glowing halo, like angel wings around our body. That's our energy field and our consciousness. And instead, what we have is like two little Nike, Nike, uh, logo level uh little glows around our feet and that's our energy yeah right so so there's a series of things not to do and then there's the whole chapter on things to do techniques that won't necessarily cost you any money um, but they will uh, typically involve a time commitment 
And I, I go into each of those as things to think about trying. You know, uh, Qigong is an example, and I go into you know why that might be helpful for some people and, a, and an approach that can help build power. There's one particular move that you do in Qigong. It's so funny. I was doing this video today where you're hugging the tree and you're standing there. It's also called standing at stake. And so it's a great not doing because it looks like you're just doing nothing. You're just standing there like a moron. But in <laughs> fact, you're building up all of this chi. It's incredible. When I first did it, it literally knocked me on my ass. Wow. Okay. So uh, that's a great way of building power. And if you only did that, you know, combined with um, not doing a, a number of things, you'd probably start to feel your energy shift. And things that you would look out for would be, you know, what's happening with your, your outlook, what's happening with your health, your allergies, your relationships, your finances, are you, where's your inspiration, your creativity, your, you know, what kind of ideas are you getting? These are all signs that your power is increasing. Hmm. Totally agree. Yeah, and the Bible says you should know, know them by the fruits of their labor, and I apply that to all areas of my life. You know, if I see people who are espousing some ideology, but their lives are horrible and they're not good people and they're not healthy and they're not, you know, crushing in the day to day, you know, that makes me very skeptical. And on that note, Saul, I'd be curious, what does your day to day look like? How do you spend your time? What, what are you doing? What are you not doing? What are you struggling to do? What are you struggling not to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I try not to let my days be the same because uh, breaking pattern is something I, I learned uh, from, from Jason over at Archaics, and I'm very grateful uh, for that, that piece of gnosis that he shared. Uh, it aligns with the shamanic concept that has to do with something called stalking, which is not what most people think of as stalking. It's basically stalking yourself, like you're, you're how emotionally charged you get in situations and what your awareness is doing in, in settings and learning how to master that. So one of the ways you master it is that you change what you do on a regular basis so that you don't get in energetic and mental ruts. Mm -hmm. And that can be, that can be very, very helpful. So having said that, I, you know, I spend time making videos and um, doing some networking online. I've got various projects going on. I haven't painted in the last little bit, but um, I want to get back into my painting I do, uh, you know, when the weather's right, I do a lot of um, body surfing and pipo surfing. Uh, that's that's something I, I really, really love. I also love swimming and bike riding and walking and um, doing various kinds of exercise, primal movement. I'm going to get into the way of the rope. I just ordered a rope and I'm going to be doing some of that. And I also have a, I have a pole, like for pole dancing in my studio. In, in my house that I do I do conditioning pole stuff on and I learn how to spin and all that kind of thing I'm not trying to act sexy I'm not fooling myself but I'm yeah. but I'm doing I'm engaging muscles that would and, and and stretching and strength with flexibility that I otherwise wouldn't really be able to to replicate so yeah. I'm doing all kinds and I never do the same thing twice I'm always doing different combinations of, of exercises and then I also, you know, I like to travel and have other experiences. I'm I'm a kind of an amateur mixologist. I love to oh. come up with uh, with fun cocktails that are kind of weird, and I like to use smoke and other things and uh, shrubs. And if you know that, if you know that word, and other other types of uh, odd uh, 
ingredients to uh, create uh, effects. I'm really into uh, the history of cocktails and uh, uh, and uh, the um, kind of particularly the 19th century. I could recommend David Wondrich's book Imbibe, which is incredible. It's like the story of the American cocktail, um, and it's just so funny and such a such a journey through through a part of history that that hadn't been told before that okay. it's just really, really fun yeah so when i say american it would actually apply to a lot of canada as well because uh, a lot of this was north american and a lot of the cocktails were in these like mining and logging towns and they were making their way in as well as the larger cities and that kind of thing so but i you know my goal on a regular basis is to keep engaging my creativity when i when i start to feel stagnant that's like the beginning stages of possibly being loosed for me mm. And so I, I, I switch so that I don't fall into a rut where I become vulnerable to being put in a kind of cycle where, where I, you know, I'm like in, a, in, a, in the dryer, you know, I'm like a, an article of clothing and I'm just getting kind of spun around and the lint uh, extracted off of me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. I agree. Like breaking cycle is key. For me, it was the opposite for a while in that I was so freeform every day that I had to put in some habits and structure because I needed that at the time. But I agree. Like you can get into these repetitive loops and that's, you become unconscious and that's when you get loose. Yes. That's it. That's it. It's the consciousness. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think the balance is key and people come at it from different positions. I mean, I've, I've had friends in my life in various phases of my life you know they were always like you're so incredibly organized and motivated and focused and everything and i don't know what i want to do and blah 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 i've had that you know I've, I've seen kind of the opposite side of that because i was very perfectionistic and super driven yeah, yeah. early on now i'm more like you know i'm willing to make mistakes and and uh go out on a limb occasionally and uh and that sort of thing so i'm my learning experience is to be less of a perfectionist and to even let certain errors just stand, you know, like just, I know they're there. I'm not going to go correct them. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really correcting to that balance and center point, right? It's, and that comes back to the polarity, right? Instead of being hyper one way or hyper another way, it's, you know, like stopping the charge, right? Yeah, I like that. Exactly. You you get into the center point of the mechanism where you're not part of the battery anymore. Yeah. You're you're kind of at the zero point for yourself. Yeah, man, I love it. Um, f I got a couple questions. Um, one of my good buddies, uh, back to the ego, he was saying, um, Saul was talking about the ego and he was saying that the ego keeps us in the the comfort zone and can prevent us from growing. So how can that be a good thing? Does that track with? I'm not sure if that's what I said. That doesn't sound exactly like what I said. I mean, anything is possible. Um, but to, to respond to that, I would say that the, the ego is going to keep you where you need to be, to be safe, which could be a comfort zone. And, and in fact, maybe it often is a comfort zone. Having said that, if the ego is functioning properly within the psyche, it's no longer so much about comfort, it, but about doing what needs to be done, and hopefully surviving in doing that and protecting the rest of the psyche. Yeah. 
but it's no longer static and no longer necessarily in a comfort zone. It is in kind of a warrior mode, spiritual warrior mode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, a couple more questions from me. How do you see the next five, ten years playing out on the world stage? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Or do you not care either way? I'm not part of that duality cult. Yeah, I like it. Have, test. Having, having, said that, having said that, I'm open to radical solutions, complex adaptive systems. You know, everything looks the same and then one little grain of sand moves and the whole structure changes. So I'm open to that possibility. I'm open to some kind of morphic explosion of uh, true unity consciousness and massive healing and release of trauma. But I'm not betting on that at the same time. So... My advice to anyone who cares to listen and possibly heed it is to focus on yourself, focus on your own your own power. It's really all that you can control to the extent that we can control anything. I'm not sure that we can, but it's the, it's the it's something that you at least have some level of agency with respect to. You can do something there. Everything else that people are focusing on, whether it's you know health or you know, reform of one kind or another or mud floods or Tartaria or all this craziness, you know, you have absolutely no agency or power in those scenarios. Plasma apocalypse, nemesis X object, you know, it's just insane. <laughs> it is. The, call it the everything crisis. <laughs> yep, the everything crisis. The omnocalypse, om, om omniocalypse. <laughs> Okay, final question. I don't have anything in the chat left in the chat here. It would be Saul Uckman, what happens when the majority of people deluge? Ah. That is that is something I would love to see. And I think we would be living in an unrecognizable world at that point in time. From our present circumstances. Yeah, I agree. Shamanically, we have something called a uh, an assemblage point, and e even if it's just a metaphor, it's very helpful in understanding that we perceive reality into existence, but it's just a perception. When the perception changes, it automatically means the reality does. So if enough perceptions collectively change simultaneously, then reality has to change. Mm. That's that's been my uh, experience as well. When I've healed trauma and changed my perspective and raised my consciousness, things just change, guys. You know, and it's not you know woo woo new age hippie stuff. It's your perception changes and you see things in a new way and people engage with you in a new way and you see possibilities in your life and the world that nobody around you does, right? And you know, people think it's like magic and may, may, I, I do believe in a form of magic. But, um, yeah, I, I really do think if you change your consciousness, you change your life. And if enough people do that, I think the world would be recognizable. I think the thing that would keep that keeps most people from making that more possible is that they focus on saving the world they they externalize their power without having actually built up their own power yeah totally agree well soul anything on your end anything you wanted to say to the audience um, any questions for me before we wrap up 
Well, first of all, this was great. Not that's not a question, but this was a lot of fun. Really great conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing you know what people have to say about it. I, I want to thank you for having me on, for reaching out. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Would love to. And I want to I want to thank you know, everybody who's tuned in or who will be tuning in. And just uh, you know, I would I would uh, ask that you withhold judgment about a lot of these concepts as you explore them through your internal compass and see see how it resonates having having tried some of these ideas on that would be that would be my request to you it's great advice perfect yeah um i've been showing all your links but just for the audience let everyone know where they can find you yeah thank you for that uh my main my main place is saulluckman.substack.com and you can do a free subscription i publish almost every day something uh video or uh text content or something like that i'm also on youtube at uh, saul luckman uncensored on on youtube and i have a second channel uh called activate your potential with regenetics which i'm i'm adding videos to as we speak so those are those are some of my main places i'm also um solidman uncensored on facebook and um you can uh you can find me you know um um on instagram as well solidman uncensored so so please you know stop by say hello uh you know connect you know, I'm I'm out here on the on the fringes of the world cult. I'm a little lonely. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's uh, you and me both, pal. Uh, <laughs> love it. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm gonna sh I'm gonna shut down the stream here, and um, I'll quickly say our goodbyes offline, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and Sol Luckman, support him, buy his stuff, or be looshed. I guess. <laughs>